Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. We are back from our long summer hiatus. Some interesting things happened over the summer, so right on here to talk about it. We've got Wildcat Double Zero and editor Marinus Ty Berger. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah, good. Well, I, I guess let's just kind of jump right into it. I mean, was this as much of a, a surprise for you as it was for me? I thought we had, you know, at least a couple more years before we had to really start worrying about the 2025 Grant to Reds running out and everything. Well, on a scale of zero to Bob Bowlesby, I was probably about a <laughs> six or a seven on this one. <laughs> I agree. I, you know, you know, I, I didn't think it was surprising that another move might happen or you know I, I mean we, we've always kind of had the idea that Oklahoma and especially Texas weren't super content with things which is odd but you know I, when I saw the, the initial report my skepticism of all things realignment initially kicked in and I thought oh sure whatever but then when I right. saw who it was reporting it and you know the fact that nobody immediately came out and was like oh no that's not happening there's there's nothing to that we're staying here we're happy I thought uh, immediately that this was probably not one we were going to get to laugh off quite so easily. So disappointing, but yeah, I mean, not, not Bob Bowlesby blindsided, but definitely surprised. <laughs> yeah. we'll we'll get to his uh, reaction later. Certainly things to talk about there, but I don't know. I guess that let's start with the important part and double zero. I don't know if you want to take this one first, but you know, this is the Kansas state podcast. So, how bad is this for Kansas State, and what can Gene Taylor and Richard Myers or anybody else do to be proactive, if anything? Well, I think relative to the other schools in the conference, K-State has the kind of toughest hill to climb, and for a number of reasons. I am not as skeptical as some fans have been. I don't think this is the end of the world. I do think there are some good things in place that could help Kansas State find a new home. But for now, I think the key is to just kind of hold your position and hold the line. I don't know about Gene Taylor. I don't know that I'm super impressed with everything he's done as athletic director at Kansas State. And the things he says don't fill me with reassurance. But at the same time, I don't know that there's a lot that he can say that would be different at this point. We just don't have all the facts. And I do think the athletic directors for the remaining eight schools were blindsided by the announcement. Just as much as Bob Boldby was. So, <laughs> especially at Oklahoma State and Texas A&M, I thought the fact that they were blindsided was really telling that this was all done yeah. very much behind the scenes. Yeah, definitely. I don't know, Ty. If you're Gene Taylor, what are you? What are you doing right now? Who are you making calls to? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I mean, I hope his first call was Kirk Schultz out at Washington State. <laughs> um, you know, I kind of doubt that his former friends at Iowa have any real pull in the Big Ten, but I suppose it doesn't <laughs> hurt to make a phone call. But I'm pretty much in the same camp with you, Wildcat. I kind of wonder about everything about Gene. He's fine. You know, in my 
I'm fairly vocal that my standards for athletic directors are relatively low. You know, don't write secret contracts and take out life insurance <laughs> contracts against yourself for the head coach. And, you know, don't go behind all your boosters' backs to try to hire Mike Leach and then have it get blown up on you. Um, and just you know. for our younger listeners, that was a Rod Prince reference. You can look it up. Worry about it. <laughs> well, and, and a John Curry at Tennessee reference. Yeah. 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 It's always tough in realignment because. Sometimes these people, Bullsby, Taylor, others included, are saying one thing publicly because they need to for, you know, for legal cover or whatever it might be, where you know or you hope if they are, you know, doing their job, doing their due diligence, they're behind the scenes doing other things that they're not going to talk about publicly. I mean, if Gene Taylor has truly not been in contact with anyone he knows from any other power five conference where we think that it's possible that we might land then i mean that's to me almost a fireable offense um now i mean i say that knowing that my preference we'll get in i'm sure we'll get into this later i mean i think for the short term sticking tight with where we are is the best play but if there is an opening in a more stable and more lucrative situation you'd be foolish not to explore it at this point because right I mean, they're, they're staring down a massive budget cut, you know, it's just really not <laughs> sustainable. That's kind of the crux of the problem is that, you know, the Big 12 were to band together and say, okay, we're going to say it. And then maybe, you know, even I they could survive. But at the same time, if, you know, one team leaving could screw that all up. And at this point, I don't see why you should trust everybody else in the conference. And... Yeah, that's the, that's the tough thing is you can't trust anybody right now. Now, I say all of that. And. I feel like Gene's hands are tied a little bit because the work that should have been done to address this situation should have been done over the last 30 years. It's not something that you can just be like, oh, you know, we're going to make ourselves an attractive target in realignment. Like when we were winning games and contending in the late 90s and early 2000s, I don't know why we weren't, you know, using our marketing and PR department to position ourselves as you know, like the cool up and coming program. You've seen Oregon do that. You've seen Boise State do that. You've seen schools. Well, Oregon's do. got Nike money, so that's not really. Yeah, I mean, Oregon's got Nike money, but, you know, I mean, it's just this, uh, you know, I mean, it goes back, it's this Midwest ethos of, you know, well, we'll just take care of our business and everything else will fall into place. And that's, you know, you got to promote yourself. We were winning games and all of that. We haven't, I mean, you know, to look at it from the outside in, you know, you, you wonder what there is about K-State that is, you know, is cool or is interesting or, you know, on the academic side, I don't think I've seen them leverage NBAF at all. Yeah. You know, I mean, all of these things are things that should have been happening over the course of 20, 30, 40 years, and they haven't happened. So you can't just snap your fingers now and be like, oh, we're going to make K-State cool and build our, you know, our (laughs) following so that more people want to watch us. Yeah, and is now really the best climate to be promoting a virus lab? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Do you think that there was some general animosity towards Bill Snyder, though? Because I feel like like a school like Vatech was in very much the same situation in the late 90s, but they got so much credit for everything, even things that K-State actually did better than Virginia Tech did. But I feel like just, I don't know if it's the school's location or if it was Snyder's personality, but there was this sense that, oh, this is not... You know, they're not playing the long game. This is, they're going to be good for a few years and then they're going to fall off and we'll never hear from them again, 
right? There was, and you know, Snyder is, he's doing something unseemly. There's too many Juco players. I mean, there was always some sort of knock on Kansas State as in you might look good right now, but we don't expect this to last. So yeah. I wonder if, even if they were trying to build something, if it was just impossible to really make um, the school seem cool to the powers that be in college football. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I can see that. And I think there are a few things at play there, right? I mean, everybody sees a coach, you know, win big, you know, within five years like that. And they're like, oh, he's totally going to move on to a bigger job. Like, that's just the assumption, right? So, you know, I understand that assumption. And, you know, I'm sure location doesn't help. You know, I mean, Virginia Tech, Blacksburg, Virginia is not exactly, you know, the garden spot, but it is on the East Coast, which is, you know, helpful for those mm-hmm. purposes. And you're right, Snyder 1.0, I mean, I think people kind of forget he was really prickly with the media. Like, yeah, and I don't think it was unjustified because I think the media took some unfair shots at him, uh, the things that you mentioned. But that, you know, his job is to win games. The marketing and the PR department need to be the ones who are capitalizing on that success and building that brand. And I, I agree, you know, would it have worked? I don't know. It, be, it may not have. But you know, I think that had some of those efforts been made and then it all culminated with the big win in 2003 over Oklahoma, I wonder what the difference might have been in perception. You know, what if we had bought a billboard in Times Square to advertise Michael Bishop for Heisman in 1998? And what if, you know, we had done other things to promote some of our players, you know, Darren Sproles, you know, in 2002, 2003. So, you know, it's all hindsight and it's all you know, in an ideal world, we would have done all these things. But, you know, I feel like we missed the boat and missed opportunities. And yeah. by the time we did get to it in 2012, it was too late, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, you, you know, the fighting chance that K-State could have these days would be based on having some sort of T-shirt following, right? Some sort of street, you know, people who don't aren't otherwise affiliated with college football gravitate to the program because, you know, they built this brand and they won games, you know, and you have to keep winning games. And certainly the last few years of Snyder's first tenure and, and uh, the Ron Prince era would not have helped with any of that. But, you know, you see some programs ebb and flow. I mean, Mike Gundy hasn't exactly been winning 10 games a year recently in Oklahoma State because they wear all their flashy stuff and spread the ball out and throw it all around the place. They're still seen as kind of cool. Um, yeah, relative to K-State at least. Well, and yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Like, you know, maybe it's like part of what made Snyder successful is also what made him, you know, boring in the eyes of some people. Like, uh, yeah, sure. you know, not playing the spread offense, but, you know, that's what worked. It's kind of, so. Yeah, yeah it worked. Really it worked in one game. <laughs> <laughs> and knows? our current coaching staff is kind of the same, right? Like maybe they're a little yeah. bit less boring, but there's no commitment to like a fresher, more marketable brand of football. Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, so that is, I mean, that is one thing, though, like you can, it's, it's really is, I mean, people have talked about this, I'm not the first one to say, but like, it's like the social media team was let out of a cage, actually allowed <laughs> right. to do stuff, and now they're doing a whole lot of cool stuff on Instagram and Twitter and whatever. So yep. That's been fun to see. Uh, yeah. So I heard so, kind of... Um, off the grapevine that the players are really excited about whatever's happening with the team, whether it means it's going to win more games or whether they're just happier. I don't know, but there has been a change in the sort of the locker room culture, I think. So, well, anything ought to be better than last year. I would hope. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I know yeah, this is, the, the, the COVID year, let's just hope that that was an anomaly. 
Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, this is kind of a, you know, not a perfect comparison, but so my senior year of high school, you know, we were like the smallest school in 5A in Kansas. And we had still been in the league with like the Derby and McPherson and the Hutchinson, you know, some big, couple of big 6A schools there. And then we finally moved down like into a, a lower league. And it was, it was kind of sad because, you know, you lost those traditions, but at the same time, it was like, hey, now we'll have a much better chance at winning things. And we did. We won like a soccer league title and started to be more competitive. So, I, yeah, I can see deal with some of the players and stuff. I can see it working out competitively. I just fear for the financial aspect, at least True. in the short term. <laughs> They're going to have to. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if all of that comes to fruition, there's going to be a lot of trimming, and it's going to be painful for people in Manhattan. Well, so you know, didn't I mean Tyler Lockett's making a lot of money now? Maybe he can help out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's gonna it's gonna be time for some of our big donors to step up and meet some shortfalls for a while. I'm afraid. We'll, yeah, we'll see, though. I hope I'm wrong about that. Yeah. So do you guys I mean, wanna... it is lucky that it's a school with a small athletic budget and, and they've played it really safe all these years, but I don't think the COVID year helped and no. the departure of Texas and OU is not going to either. So we'll see. No. Fingers well, crossed. It's a good thing we haven't paid out thirty million in buyouts to failed football coaches in the last <laughs> decade either. So. <laughs> I like that aspect of our situation. Yeah. So but it you know, the other frustrating part of this is, you know, if last time was any indication we're going to be talking about this stuff for two or three years before we, at least, like before we, we see how it all shakes out. But, uh, you know, that being said, either of you want to take a shot at guessing what, what's going to look like in, let's say, 2024, 2025, where we're going to be? Who, who, should, who, who, who do we want to go first there? <laughs> you take it, Ty. <laughs> all right, I'll take it. So my guess is that the remaining eight will sit tight They'll collect as much as they can from Texas and Oklahoma on the way out. They'll see their, you know, ESPN will, I'm sure, reduce the yearly payout per the contract that they apparently have in place. And then I would expect, I would hope, I would think that they would see the writing on the wall and, and be like, well, you know, let's get Houston in here. Let's get BYU, whoever. I mean, I, I you know, I think four schools. I don't want BYU. I don't want it. Well, I, I know, I know. But, but they're. <laughs> Yeah, of all the schools that are potentially available, they have by far the biggest TV following. So that's why I put them in there. Yeah, I, I, I get all the other concerns and questions about them, but you know, so I think they're going to stick tight. I think that they're going to just, and, and I think that they're going to stick tight just because I don't think at the end of the day the Pac-12 is going to make a move unless they absolutely have to, and the Big Ten is certainly not going to pull any of these remaining schools. I don't think. And I, you know, I, I'm a little bit fatalistic about it. I almost like, you know, do whatever, you know, uh, make the best of the situation. <laughs> but I feel like within a decade, it's going to th be 30 schools and all these, the South Carolinas and the Vanderbilts and the Purdue's and, you know, all these schools that think they're safe right now and think that they're pretty awesome because they're riding Alabama and Ohio State's coattails to you know, conference safety, you're going to find out that they're not going to make the cut <laughs> when we go to NFL Junior League. So <laughs> I, I feel like at some point, you know, they're going to cut out the quote unquote dead weight from everybody. And, you know, we're just going to end up with separate divisions or something of that nature. Yeah. But for the teams that get left out of that Super League scenario, 
you still get college football like it used to be, right? Like the Super League will be NFL light, but the rest of college football can still continue to function the way it used to. There'll be less money, but you can go back to the sort of traditions and pageantry and the other things about the sport that we love that have nothing to do with ESPN, right? So there'll be less uh, talent too, though. So how much of a difference does that make? I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, it's not like people don't watch FCS ball, right? So it's true. Yeah, I mean, you know, people watch. People like watching, and I don't. I don't mean this in the sense of like mass followings and huge TV audiences, but like you know, you watch Northwest Missouri State, and that looks like good football on the field. You know, it'll always be relevant to the talent level of the other teams that you're playing. You know, I mean, if you if you're just completely outclassed by whoever it is that you're playing, then you're going to look like you suck. But if you have (laughs) you know talent that looks good relative to your situation, you know, football's football. It's probably still going to look you know, acceptable. And and like you said, you know, the, it's not, you know, if it were all about talent, we wouldn't watch college football. We'd watch the NFL. It's about the circus that goes along with college football. So, yeah, that's fair. So double zero, I mean, did you want to take a shot at guessing where things will end up or you, agree, you want to just agree with Ty? Or? Don't agree with I me. I mostly agree with <laughs> Ty. Um, <laughs> I mostly agree. I think that if they hold steady and the eight remaining teams decide to continue on as the Big 12, they really should add two to four schools. And I think they should look east and add like the UCFs and the Cincinnati's and, you know, schools that are based in sort of larger population bases, just because that means more TV eyeballs. Even if we're not particularly interested in a conference that includes Memphis, Cincinnati, and UCF, I think that might be the way to go in terms of the future direction. And it also gives a school like West Virginia something to look at where they're not such a geographic outlier. But I don't know that any of this is realistic. And I think whatever this new Big 12 ends up being, it's going to be relatively short-lived. So all of these schools do need to be looking at what's our future landing spot. And at this point, despite what the fans say, I don't think Kansas or Iowa State have any shot at the Big Ten, AAU status notwithstanding. So I think we need to stop even thinking that it's just the remaining six schools left behind <laughs> and those two have homes already. I don't think that's yeah. the case. So. I think someone AAU living in the Big Ten and I think Iowa State has a 0.0% shot at that. What right. about, what, what do you think the chances are West Virginia to the ACC? I mean, I feel like geographically, that's the one that makes the most sense out of everything. But geography doesn't matter much anymore, it seems like. so. Yeah. I mean, it's possible, but I also, like, I keep going back to what I expect, and which is the, you know, NFL Junior League. And I think yeah. that, you know, A, the ACC is locked into their deal for, like, a decade or more at this point. And I don't think that mm-hmm. West Virginia moves things enough for them to add them. So I could see it, maybe, because West Virginia is, I don't know, in some sense, they're a little bit more of a brand than some of these other schools and their following is you know i mean their markets are not terrible but i just i don't know i'm skeptical put it that way sure sure okay so we talked about you know what case they could do and kind of where the other schools could do what about you know the big 12 as a conference and, and we, let's talk about you know obviously they've already done some things what did bob bowlsby make the right move to get in that letter I mean, it was entertaining for sure. <laughs> but would you guys think that was the right move? Nah, take it double up. 
Okay. Um, so here's the thing. He's gotten a lot of flack on the on social media for that letter as in, oh, what does this matter? Yes, you can't fight ESPN. But I actually think they're wrong. I think he had to do something. The Big 12 had to do something to say, hey, this is not cool. And that letter wasn't terrible. I mean, I think if nothing happens, you at least said that you won't take this lying down. And if something happens and you actually do go to go to court against ESPN, I don't think it's going to get that far. You've at least made the point that, hey, the colleges still run the sport. ESPN doesn't. I don't know how far that goes. I still have this outside hope that someone will just randomly file an FTC action against uh, ESPN for anti-competitiveness. <laughs> but <laughs> that's just wishful thinking on my part. But I do think Bowles being the Big 12 had to do something. And this was better than nothing. And it was better than just going through back sorry. channels to let ESPN know how upset you are or whatever. So the fact that this was right, done right, and it was right. done publicly is, in my opinion, a good thing. So for those of us who aren't lawyers, FTC action, <laughs> what do you mean by that? <laughs> oh, Federal Trade Commission is FTC. And there's okay. a, a statute oh, called the FTC Act, okay. which allows you to basically bring uh, an anti-competitive entity to court. So, okay. And uh, anyone okay. can bring the action. So like the Big Ten could get cheesed off about ESPN being all in on the SEC and bring this action. I'm only joking. I don't think there's any chance that this will happen. But <laughs> <laughs> It's something we could do yeah, with a letter I, like the one that will be sent out. Yeah, I hope Kevin yeah. Warren and his lawyers in Indianapolis are looking into it. You know, yeah, it's, you know, yeah. So here's the thing, you know, that happened and, and everybody, including, you know, including really smart people were like, oh, you, this is just bluster, you know, nobody's going to get in a fight with the, you know, with ESPN because they're the ones who pay out all the money. The thing that's different about this round of realignment is this is existential for these eight schools. This is effectively the end of the road for them if this all goes down the way that it, it seems that ESPN and Oklahoma and Texas want it to go. So mm -hmm. if your options are, you know, see your yearly revenue from TV deals go from 40 million a year down to 20, 15, 10, like the, the lowest number I saw was nine, then what do you have to lose by getting in a fight with ESPN? I mean, this is truly existential at this point for you. And that was not the case uh, with previous round realignment. I mean, it looked like it could be that way, you know, uh, with the whole Pac-16 thing last time around. But, you know, that never came about. So if that is what these schools yes. are facing, then this is fundamentally different from previous rounds. And, you know, I think anyone who purports to say, well, there's just no way they would ever do that is just not looking at that aspect of the situation. Yeah. It's ESPN's role in this is very interesting to me as a journalist because you know I think it's been inevitable that that obviously they've become like a player in this when they've taken over so much as far as you know paying the contracts with the coverage and all that and they have, they go way beyond just your typical journalism reporting where they have all these talk shows and and of course that's going to make a difference and. Yeah, I mean, ESPN still has some good reporters that are just writing about this. And that's why I, I really didn't understand. I've seen a few K-State fans, like, bring the athletic into this. And, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because they're just, I mean, in theory, writing about what they hear, maybe suggesting their opinions every once in a while. But they don't have the poll that ESPN does or anything close to it. So, but it's just, it's Nah, it's but I, I think they're I trying to throw their weight around and make a name for themselves. So, 
Maybe. I think maybe they ended up being a useful <laughs> a useful idiot in this situation for okay. ESPN. <laughs> I can see that. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. Because, you know, look, when they published those stories initially about how the AAC was going to try to poach the Big 12, that doesn't even pass the smell test. Like, why <laughs> would any school from the Big 12 voluntarily give up autonomy, yeah. five status? <laughs> To go to a conference to pay the buyout for the Big 12 if it continues to exist. Yeah. Uh, and apparently it continues to exist down to the last member. So, you know, mm -hmm. are these schools really going to pay that buyout and those liquidated damages to go to the AAC where they already make less money when you could just say, hey, look, you know, we don't know how this is going to go down, but we have status that you don't. We have TV contracts that you don't. You should come and join us. Like, that doesn't yeah. even... That, that, you, you go into court and make that argument. <laughs> that doesn't pass the last test in front of yeah, the judge. No, you get laughed at the judge. You get that sweet Memphis TV market, though. <laughs> well, I think Which the reason is. everybody jumped on that bandwagon was because of the sense that uh, ESPN has some sort of special relationship with the American Conference because AAC's leadership is formerly from the ESPN C-suite. But yeah, right. <laughs> I think all of that is just so much circumstantial, like nonsense that sort of floats around on uh, social media until someone picks up on it. Uh, and it was never, like Ty said, it was never going to pass the smell test. I don't think that's what Bowlesby was getting at in his letter either when he was suggesting that ESPN was pulling the strings behind the scenes. But I do think that you can't do nothing in this circumstance. Either you're out there making a play for the remaining eight schools to be absorbed into one of the existing Power Five conferences, or you're making a stink about this happening, about Oklahoma and Texas leaving, about the sort of legal actions yeah. that you can threaten. But to do nothing was just not an option. When you said remaining eight, can we just go seven and leave Baylor out? <laughs> I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And I hate to say this about TCU, but I, I think you could leave them both out technically. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I have a friend at TCU, so I wouldn't <laughs> get left out. No, I, I'm sure they're a perfectly good school. It's just that from a sort of academic uh, profile standpoint and the size of the schools, they're not the same as the other schools in the conference. So, sure. That's I don't know. If, I don't know that the Pac-12 would be interested in either of those two schools if we go with the existing rumor about <laughs> the Big 12 teams ending up in the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah, that's probably true. That's probably true. Yeah, I think the Pac-12 is looking at Houston long before they're looking at TCU and Baylor. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So one other thing to kind of to switch gears a little bit I wanted to bring up is, and partly because our, our fearless leader has, has talked about this a lot, that being John Morris. I'm not sure. I'm sure you guys have seen he's big on the that's not let OU escape blame bandwagon. He thinks they're driving it and that that's, the primary driver was the 11 a.m. kickoffs. So, I mean, is OU really that petty? That that doesn't pass the smell test for me. So I do think OU is that petty, but I don't think that's the primary reason. <laughs> um, they have had 11 a.m. kickoffs forever, though. Like, their annual um, game against Texas has always been in the 11 a.m. slot. Well, that's because uh, they don't want a bunch of drunk of idiots more... going to the Cotton Bowl, right? Like... Right. And I think part of the reason is that that's just an easy crutch for them to lean on. I think they've been wanting to make the move for a while. 
because they see that uh, they might get out recruited in an name image likeness world by schools in the SEC and they don't want to miss out on that. But they did, I don't think Oklahoma could have left on their own. I think they did need the extra cachet that Texas brings in order to make this an attractive package for another conference. Right. But I mean, so do you believe the theory though, that they were the, they were the ones that initiated it? Yeah, I do think that. Okay. Not because John says it, but just because it feels like the sort of thing OU would do. <laughs> like, you know, they, yeah. they're the primary mover, but they want Texas to take all the heat. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, the thing, you know, Oklahoma is ruthlessly self-interested. I mean, sure. I give them credit for not not making any bones about it. They will do what's best for Oklahoma. All other consequences be damned. And that's how they've always operated. And that's fine. You know, I get it. So, you know, I'm sure that they never stopped having conversations about what the future landscape looks like. And whether it was them suggesting it or ESPN laying the foundation or whoever it was, you know, they certainly were not one to say, well, we're going to have to think that over. They were like, okay, yeah, we'll, we'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Or maybe they're just scared of Chris Kleiman. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's go with that. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 you know, I like that, and I like that as a taunt, but I also fear that they're going to beat us by 40 this year. So. Yeah, but you probably said the same thing last year, right? I, like, I, I, yes, I'm sure I have. But <laughs> maybe you know what? Let's just go with it. Let's just say that Lincoln Riley has some sort of mental block where Chris Kleiman is concerned, and he'll just never beat him. I and mean, we'll just go with that, like how Texas used to yeah. consistently lose to K State, right? So exactly, yeah. We're yeah. just gonna manball them to death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I'm mean, building off of that though. Like, it's I don't think there's any doubt that that, that Texas's lack of success is part of the reason for leaving. Well, argue about how big part of it. Like, they're still I, I, here. They've won like OU has in the past few years, right? There's no doubt. I'm glad you brought that up because it gives me an opportunity to say this. <laughs> Texas is always going to conveniently pin its struggles on someone else. It can't possibly <laughs> be Texas because they're Texas. <laughs> they're massive and they have all the money in the world and they just have to get their resources aligned. That's their only, they don't, that's Texas problem. So it's funny when they're like, well, you know, the Big 12's hurting our recruitment and we, you know, we need to go. I thought you just needed to get your resources aligned, Texas. You should be able to do that anywhere. You've got more money than everyone else. You can surely hire anyone you want, which you've done for the last 10 years and paid the buyouts when it didn't work out. Texas, in, in a lot of ways, I think, has the same problem that Nebraska has. They don't have alignment among their administration, their boosters, mm -hmm. and their coaching staff and locker room. Everybody's rowing in, the, in different directions and you see it. It's just disjointed. You know, they, they get two years into a coaching staff and they're like, oh, you got to fire the coordinators. So then you're in a make or break third year with brand new coordinators. Good luck. I mean, good luck building anything sustainable with that type of model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also can't wrap my mind around the fact that they think they're going to win more in what is potentially a tougher conference. Like, Well, they just have to get their resources aligned. Oh, that's right. The resources aligned. <laughs> I mean, Texas A&M is going to take like special joy in beating Texas now, right? Like, oh, they're they're oh, trust me, every I mean, everybody takes special joy in beating Texas. I mean, <laughs> Texas A&M a different a different level of it for right. sure, but I guarantee you, Alabama's going to gloat in their face if they when they beat them. I guarantee you, LSU is going to gloat about beating them. You know, I guarantee you Mississippi State's going to gloat in their face about beating them if they ever happens. It's going to be so happens. funny when they when they lose to Kentucky and Mississippi State and Vandy, though. I mean, it well, will be like, really like funny. their Maryland losses the last couple of years. You know, 
Yep. Yeah, and that wasn't even like a good Maryland team. It was a Maryland team that struggled no. through the rest of the Big Ten schedule. So it's yeah. 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 So there'll be a lot of Schadenfreude for the rest of us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's all we it's all for we sure. have left. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. As we sit in our, uh, you know, abandoned house that's falling down around us, metaphorically. <laughs> well, it was fun while it lasted, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, actually, so we should take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. And, you know, I'm glad we brought up A&M because I think if there is a silver lining in all of this, it was really the reaction from Texas A&M to first to, to leak it. And then, you know, all the complaining and they eventually realized that they couldn't do anything. So they looked down with it and vote for it. And, you know, it, it, it's just going to be the gift that keeps on giving. It seems like <laughs> from the Aggies fans and how, how mad they are that they have, they can't hang that over Texas anymore that, that you know, they're in the SEC and the, you know, some of the, I think they've even done some talking about it in Texas legislature because of course they have. So it's, it's a lot of fun all around. I know. Have you guys been enjoying that as much as I have? <laughs> I was a little disappointed that it became such a fait accompli by the time, you know, by the time it became official that they just had to kind of accept it. Because <laughs> I was really, really hoping, you know, because it was obvious that they leaked it to try to kill right. it. Right. And I was really hoping that it would still be in suspense at the point at which it became official because that would have just been. I mean, there there have been some fantastic realignment meltdowns over the years, but that would have been <laughs> the the nuclear level meltdown. Yeah. yeah. Wasn't there some speculation early that Missouri would also vote against it? I don't remember the reason. <laughs> yeah, that. there was. But I mean, you know, that I I always felt like that was a little bit weird because you know what was it? You had to have four schools, and there was right. Yeah, right. everybody was speculating about all this. I was like, yeah, they're going to all see the numbers and, and be like, oh, yeah, well, I guess we'll take a 50% pay raise to deal with this. <laughs> yeah. I was mildly disappointed that Texas A&M sort of caved so quickly because I really wanted yeah. to see some thrashing and screaming, right? Like, <laughs> oh, they, I they wanted that. their beat writers to just be like going <laughs> off the edge and have their fans be in total meltdown mode. But instead, they kind of saw the writing on the wall and they were like, yeah, okay, I guess this is fine, right? And yeah. as far as Missouri, like, what do they have to complain about? They ended up in a terrific situation, and they should just count. They should just consider <laughs> themselves lucky and move on. <laughs> yeah, you know, it yeah. worked out great from Mizzou's perspective. So it did. I agree. As a as Mizzou grad, I think it has worked out a lot better than I thought it would. <laughs> to be honest, <laughs> I feel really bad for Texas Tech in all of this. Like, obviously, I feel really bad for K State, but secondarily, I kind of feel bad for Texas Tech because I think everyone's forgotten they even exist. So <laughs> at least people are talking about K-State. Even if it's in a negative way, they're talking about it. But Texas Tech is just the out there in Lubbock and no one cares. The thing that irritates me is that they should be. I mean, they, you're right. They are forgotten in a lot of ways. But they should be more forgotten. They, <laughs> they're terrible. And they have been terrible for a long time. Like, I don't know what it is. It's probably the residual, you know, Mike Leach, we throw for 5,000 yards a year, and it's, you know, it's always entertaining, even if it's not always great. But, like, like <laughs> your, your boy David Ovens on, on Twitter replying to a Texas Tech fan, he's like, oh, do you think this works out? And he's like, well, you guys have been decent in football. No, you have not. 
<laughs> in football, K-State has been goddamn elite over the last decade. Right. I am not going to let that one pass by. Yeah. And I'm yeah. also kind of upset at just how much credit Iowa State is getting for having two good seasons in 20 years, right? Like, suddenly <laughs> they're like the most marketable program in the Big 12. And I'm thinking, wait, no, there's still a small ag school in the middle of nowhere who isn't particularly good at anything. So why are they That's, a bigger deal than K-State? Like, I don't get it. You know, it's just... It's, it's just not, annoying. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I'm that's disrespectful it. to Iowa State's cross-country program. All right, okay. you know, they've been very good. Fair enough. It, 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 I'm going to throw in a Ted Lasso reference here. It shows you what goldfish the national sports media is. <laughs> Whatever's cool at this very moment is and has always been cool and has always been good. And, you know, forget about the fact that they haven't won a conference title since the year the Titanic went down. They're good now, or they're pretty good. They're pretty good now. I mean, I'm not going to take it away from them. They won the Fiesta Bowl over Oregon last year. I mean, they had a good year. Don't get me wrong. But they had one good year, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not forget that right. you know, if we want to talk about all-time terrible football programs, they are pretty close to K-State by the numbers. So. I think this goes back to what you were yeah, saying before. And, uh, when we had a chance to project ourselves as elite and cool, we kind of missed out on it. And now it's too late for us to be anything but silo tech, I guess. So it, it's, kind of, <laughs> it's kind of sad because we could have, I mean, maybe if Snyder had been younger and less prickly back in the late 90s, we would have been what Iowa State is now, you know? But it just, yeah, yeah. I also don't think Kansas State fans help themselves by constantly trying to little brother Iowa State either, but that's a different topic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did support, find it a little bit I, hilarious. I, I, I support yeah, an I, attitude I, of very condescension towards Iowa State. Like, <laughs> okay, have, have your fun. It's fine, whatever. I don't, it just reminds yeah. me so much of the way Nebraska fans used to treat Kansas That's State. All right. That's all right. Sorry. <laughs> and I just, I just wasn't into it then, and I'm not into it now. So <laughs> uh, okay. I, I, I admire wow. the principles. I am not nearly as principled. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I did find it that, hilarious I that Iowa State had their principled objections for Iowa. So. <laughs> I, I found it pretty funny that Iowa State had their best year ever, and it still wasn't enough to get in COVID season. <laughs> Maybe they'll get there this year. Although I don't know, would anyone really be surprised if they just crash and burn? You know, all the preseason hype no. they're getting. They're not going to no. live up to their hype. Yeah. No, it wouldn't surprise me in the least because. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, neither thing, neither direction would surprise me. But Oklahoma is clearly superior in pure talent. And if Lincoln Riley is the coach that we think that he is, he should have things, you know, he's had a whole offseason to figure things out. So, mm -hmm. you know, if they can't use their massive talent advantage and their supposed decided schematic advantage <laughs> to, to beat down Iowa State this year, then I'm going to be very disappointed in Oklahoma. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. But I do think Oklahoma is being. Well, uh, I do think Iowa State is being set up for the fall. So yeah. it, it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, I guess. Yes. Sure. I'm not principled enough to not take pleasure in that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> everybody. Everybody has their breaking point. Everybody has their right. line. <laughs> well, 
I feel like, you know, we certainly could go on about this for a long time, uh, but I think we, we've covered most of the main points. Anything else that, that you feel like we're missing out on? For right now? I mean, it's, you know, it's realignment. There's always something <laughs> yeah. fun about it. Maybe we didn't get all the fun that we wanted with the Texas a and yeah. meltdown. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. it, it, it rarely disappoints for intrigue and drama. And, you know, it's summer. What else are we going to do? Play golf? Yeah. 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 What is the end game, though, for the Big 12? Like, not this year, but, like, 10 years from now or five years? I don't know. I mean, it, I, I, hate, I hate to keep saying this, but nothing would surprise me. You know, <laughs> there's just no outcome that would really shock me because I just don't know. I don't know what permutations this is going to take as it goes forward. Well, if the Big 12 starts, you know, looking for new lawyers, would either of you be interested? Absolutely not. They don't want me. I can yeah. promise you. I don't have any of the useful skills for that job. Okay. <laughs> I can support the technology aspect of it, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. What about just, I guess, the last thing, kind of just as far as the timeline of, of OU and Texas leaving? Do you think that OU and Texas are playing the SEC in 2023? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that seems... Yeah, it, it's it's not it's not gonna get it's not gonna drag out. Yeah, they'll settle up for however much they're gonna pay out, and everybody will move on down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this year is sure gonna be weird, and maybe maybe next year, who knows? But, I don't know. <laughs> well, I I remember when Nebraska and A and M were on their way out the door, and some of those games where there was some them. <clears throat> questionable officiating calls uh, <laughs> went against them so you know i i kind of doubt that OU's really going to get jobs but i would just dearly love it if texas had a big fan meltdown over a call that went against them it would make my little black heart flutter with joy do you think texas fans would do that though i don't know oh, don't you remember, don't you remember the oklahoma <laughs> state game from a few years ago the meltdown they had about charlie strong getting jobs there i mean that was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they they threw a fit over. I mean, Ian went to media days the next year and asked them about why Texas oh, yeah. was a disproportionate oh, number of penalties called against them based on some advanced stats that somebody posted on Barking Carnival. <laughs> <laughs> months later, they were not over it. Uh, yeah, I just, I just really hope they stop calling like penalties on horns down. Just yeah, that's just what stop. I want. I want everybody to go horns down and just take the penalties. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do it. I'm going to be disappointed if we don't. Yeah. yeah. We should do that. And honestly, this should be like a goalpost tour for Texas. Like everyone should take their best shot. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, if, if in the unlikely event that we beat Texas and it's in Austin this year, if I remember right, like if we score a touchdown late to go ahead, I hope that whoever scores it throws the ball into the stands and the entire team runs down the sideline with horns down. Like I want to, oh. I, I, I want this. I want I want it to be that time when Georgia ran out on the field in the the Georgia Florida game and took you know just took that you know the unsportsmanlike because the entire team went out to celebrate. How many What's that? How many unsportsmanlike penalties are they allowed to give on one play? I, I hope I hope that they throw one on every player on the team, like you know. <laughs> You know, we'll end up kicking off from the half yard line because you have to keep going back half the distance to the goal. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I, I really, I'm not above such.
<laughs> anyone, anyone who hosts Texas should just have their student section all do horns down like in a coordinated action. So. <laughs> <laughs> Throw a flag on this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. Well, that seems like a good place to end it. <laughs> yeah. Coming up on, on what should be exciting football season. Get some more uh, content to you soon. Ty, Double Zero, thanks for joining us. Always enjoy it. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for having us. All right. Take so, care. Yeah. Ask.